Thank you for joining me on this next episode of the Scholar Homies podcast. The game is to be sold, not told, conversations with the soul. I am so honored to be here with the future Dr. Patricia Becerra. Thank you for having for being here today. No, the honor is all mine. I am just privileged to be invited to such a platform whose content is just phenomenal and just necessary for people to hear from the academic viewpoint of Latinx. It's just, it's amazing. Thank you so much. You are, you are honestly such an inspiration for those who don't know who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I am a returning student to um, the higher education. I graduated in 1997 from high school and I went straight to college to Fresno State. Um, I was a double major back then in chemistry and Chicano Latino studies. I became a single mom of two beautiful boys, but uh, they were diagnosed with special needs. And so I uh, had to prioritize mom life and my children. And I decided um, to cut my educational journey short at that time. Um, and then many, many years later, I had an amazing career in EMS for 20 years. And then the pandemic hit. And I think that's, <laughs> it affected the whole world. Mm -hmm. um, my husband and I are both registered paramedics. And, um, you know, our household had to make a big decision. And we decided the decision was made that I would stay home with the kids. Um, in that, because of the pandemic, there were virtual classes, you know, that were everywhere and I decided maybe I should go back to school you know for what well I was teaching some high school confirmation classes and I found that I love teaching in person before the pandemic and even virtually after the pandemic so let's change careers there's no retirement in EMS anyway let's get into education I love it so I looked into it then I heard about um, bilingual education and I thought that was amazing, that communication with parents that constantly thank you because they don't need their kids to translate, to communicate with you. Because I had to do that. I had to translate um, for my grandma who only spoke Spanish. And so that sense of community was something that I wanted to continue doing. So um, I went back and I joined a program where I met you um, and I know you haven't asked yet but how we met was that I joined uh, the Samias program and even before I met you even before we had any contact I kind of read the bios of the staff that was involved and you had pictures with your daughter and those pictures touched me so much there's one where Melania is like looking at you and you said you're um title for the picture was I could do less but she's watching and it like hit me so hard it like knocked the wind out of me it had me crying but I instantly imagined having the opportunity to take pictures like that with my kids and man you lit a fire this flame was so intense I couldn't wait to meet you and it was one of those things like I didn't know who I'm gonna be paired with but I'm just gonna connect with this person because she she needs to know that she's touched people through pictures you know and so um I joined the Semillas program I met you I got paired with you and Cassie um and my my whole outlook on life has changed and now my goals are to get my bachelor's at the end of the semesters get my credential get my master's and get my doctorate get my, and that's something I mean, it was a term that I didn't even think of. And now that's my goal. Thank you. Thank you. Because of you. I am a new person. <laughs> I am speechless and already crying because you already know. <laughs> All mm -hmm. I do is cry. Um, thank you for that beautiful introduction. It is such a privilege and honor to have met you during the Samia's um, summer. And so this morning when I was thinking about our call today, I was like, wow, that was last summer. And then I'm like, no. Oh my gosh, no, that was the two summers ago that yeah. that we met. I'm like, wow, one time went by so fast. Um, because I couldn't believe it. And I tell you that I when I I did not have the capacity 
to do that that summer. I I did not. If that you caught you caught me during the biggest move of my life when we were living in a hotel. Remember. And let me back up a little bit for those listening. Samia's is a Samia's research team that was it, it was a summer program that's hosted out of San Diego State University and um by the amazing doctor amazing yes, yes yes and she's she's gonna be coming up on the podcast and it's already scheduled yes, <laughs> we're gonna be exciting. having it soon but it's and basically it's a program that um where we had community we had community college scholars community college students who are introduced to research and they were paired up with um somebody who was in a postdoc or a graduate student or like myself like I was at that time I was transitioning to be a professor so we were we were like very intentional with pairing up the students with the the scholars based off identities and so we were paired because um of our mama our mommy scholar identity and I remember Dr. V mentioning like I'm there's I have the perfect person for you do you have the capacity I'm like you know what because of the move and transition, we were literally living in a hotel for nine weeks. I was like, I also need a sense of like stability. And in a weird way, these weekly meetings were a sense of like st- stability for me. Like there was one thing that was sure that hadn't changed was my Samia's research meetings. Like I was going to show up every Tuesday to that meeting and just feel connected to my community. And and I didn't have the capacity. Like, I remember the orientation day. That was the day that my furniture was being delivered from California. And we were, I was, I think I might've been like zooming in from my phone. I had my camera off because I was like in the storage unit. <laughs> and, but it was, after I got past that day, like it was such an honor to come and, and just listen from, you know, hear all these students because what they, for what y'all had to do was create a project and we were just a proposal yeah a proposal yeah a research proposal of yes. like whatever you wanted to, to study and we were just guiding y'all but y'all picked the topics y'all y'all picked everything and it was it was such a beautiful project um to see you through and develop that and y'all did that over the course of the summer and I just remember thinking like oh my gosh could you imagine like with some money thrown behind this and with some like real intentions like how many people we could impact through a semester or through a year program because that was the first one that we had ever did it was the pilot study to that to that program yeah and I think the first comment everybody had was like we wish it was longer yeah because it was literally addicting to be able to come to class be guided, be exposed to research, terminology, you know, get to meet other Latinx, um, you know, established doctors and, and they, we got to read their research and then we got to meet with them. And so there was this amazing relation and connect to that, to the face, to not just what you're reading, but hearing it from them. And then they're sharing their personal stories. And it was like, I like, it just kept fueling that fire, man, every time. And it was, man, it was just a blessing. I was so, so blessed to be picked and to be in our little mommy scholar group with you and Cassie. It was just awesome. I loved it. I love it. I love that. And one thing you also mentioned, like the picture with Melania, which is ironically, like my research topic isn't really paired to like my mommy scholar hustle, right? Like it's kind of, it's kind of separated. And I don't know why I just haven't been able, because I think it's, it's just, it's the day-to-day for me. Like I'm literally living this day-to-day that I don't think that I've been able to dive into the, the research component of it. Um, So maybe I have been keeping it separate intentionally, but I'm like, I'll totally guide you. And, you know, I want to see that through. And, um, and I just want to go back to like the, the picture with Melania that you mentioned. I have to say that me sharing what I share, sometimes I, I wonder if like, do I need to stop sharing? Am I oversharing? Like, but you kind of just validating and affirming and kind of make the whole reason why I even started sharing my journey make it so worth it. Because I remember thinking like, one, I cannot be the only one, right? I cannot be the only mother who's working full time, who's trying to do all this. Like there has to be others. Um, And it's hard. And yes. it's, and you have multiple children. Like I only have one and I'm like driving, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. But like you have multiple children. And I mean, just tell me about that. Like, uh, like how, how do you do it? Like what's your inspiration and what keeps you going? So, yeah. So I am inspired because I'm first gen. 
Latina, born to a single mom and raised by an only Spanish-speaking grandmother, you know? And so they are the example, the pillars of my life of what it is to struggle, right? To have to sacrifice and to be resilient out of necessity to survive. You know, it's it, it's not easy to do that. And that's just, you know, in their day-to-day, they had to do that all the time. Um, I am the oldest of six kids and I myself have seven. <laughs> so... All of those numbers are are people plus my nephews um, that inspire me to just do better because, you know, being exposed to research, I am aware of the statistics that the education of parents and moms specifically lead to those younger generations, you know, getting their higher education. And so I'm not just doing it for me. And that's what's really driving me. I'm doing it for them. And I'm doing it in the memory of my grandmother and for my mom. My mom has never seen me walk because I got in a car accident before my high school graduation. So this bachelor's degree is for her, you know, so I, I need to finish. I need to finish strong. And then each of my degrees, you know, I have dedicated them to other people that I don't want to save. <laughs> when I get there, they will know who they mm-hmm. are that are special people. And that that's the inspiration um that gets me there but every day day to day I don't have a plan I can't have a plan because it's not gonna work something's gonna happen somebody's gonna need a diaper change or a change of clothes or you know somebody it's like a petri dish out there in these preschools so somebody comes home I cannot have a plan I have to adapt so in that I have just life and then 20 years in EMS where if an emergency comes I just handle it and then move on. And sometimes handling it, processing it means I got to cry. But then I got to wipe my tears off, you know, wipe myself up and just keep going because it's just a moment in time. And those struggles and the sacrifices that have to be made, um, like you said earlier, I'm not the only one. I have to remember that I come from a long line of chingonas and healers and they got through it with less. And so I am capable. I am able. I do have support. Shout out to my mom who's watching my kids right now. Another shout out to my husband who's working his butt off. And that's why my mom's here watching my kid. That kids, um, that support I have. And there's a lot of women out there that don't. So just w- being grateful is what gets me through the day in those tough moments that, you know, just happen every day. It's, it's just what it's mom life, you know, <laughs> you know, it's totally mom life. It's, I, I really love what you said. Like you just got to adapt. Right. And I, and you're right. Sometimes I feel um like unorganized and I'm like, I just, you know why it's because when I do try to plan out my day, um, like we're in a sandwich generation, right. Where we have mm-hmm. our children and our parents. So we're kind of between two generations and guarantee that something's going to pop up. Yeah. You know, I might have to help my parents today through the hours and um, like look at like let's be real we're on a Saturday we're, yeah we're, we're, we're doing this on a Saturday I'm know, in the car because it's the, the only quiet place in my house <laughs> yes right and I had to sneak out because if and it's like if not when do we have time to do it right um you know but it goes back to that saying if the person wants to do it they'll do it they'll make time for it they'll prioritize it so sometimes people that say I can't that's like your mindset and you don't want to do it. If you, you want to get it done, you'll do it. But there's always a sacrifice. Like you said, you had to sneak out. And I'm here in the car. <laughs> yes. And we're we're here so that other people can hear this and hopefully be inspired or to take something away. Um, but I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. like, what is how going back to Samia's and, and we you had that mentorship, mentorship, how important was that for you at that moment? Wow, that was life changing. Just the first day when when Dr. V asked each of us, what is your definition of a scholar? And each student went through what they what they thought, you know, the definition that what it personally meant to them and how she didn't let us leave without understanding that we were scholars. Mm -hmm. That was so powerful. You know, throughout the, the six weeks, I learned language, terminology. Um, for example, the imposter syndrome that I know I suffer with on and off, um, even coming back as a returning student, being a mom, you know, um, it, it, the fact that it has a term helps me identify it um, and challenge it and be like, 
I like know what you are. You're you're an imposter syndrome. You're not who I am. You're not part of my value, but you're there, you know? Um just learning things like methodology, um, those scholarly words, like it leveled me up personally to where I I want to share that feeling with other people. It it was so dynamic and so important. And it's taken my educational journey, it's made it serious, and it's introduced me to a new love of research. When I was working with you and Cassie, you know, I think that my biggest problem was trying to narrow my research down because I was so hungry for it. I want to do research on everything, you know. Um, but thanks to your guidance, I, I we were able to kind of minimize that. And I was a minoritized returning student mothers, you know, and how we talked about multi multiple um, facets of wealth they possessed fueled their Chingona mindset to persevere. Yeah. And and I love that. I love that back in the day, chingona was a bad word. And now it means badass. It means you got through things, but just, and that's how I feel. I feel like being a returning student, a minoritized student uh, mother, I'm taking that back and claiming, and it's not a bad thing. It's not easy, mm-hmm. but I'm taking it back and I'm, and it's giving me power. Whereas before it would be like an obstacle, you know, yeah. it, it just, it changed my life. I can't, I can't thank you enough and the program enough everybody even like all the other um, faculty have been amazing I'm so so grateful for it I'm so happy that you uh, that you found it and that you were able to like participate and and take that on and even more so like you're about to finish your bachelor's and then you already have aspirations let's let's talk about you had a special meeting this week um (laughs) which was like go 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 girl go get it like I was just so proud of you um I already forgot the day but maybe a couple days ago you sent me a text message and you said are you available for a quick chat and I said yes let's do it right now like right now you called me that was like (laughs) so amazing I literally text you and I think in five minutes you called me and I said you know I I I'm really suffering from imposter syndrome that was the problem um I had a meeting with uh President Saul Jimenez Sandoval of Fresno State um, on Tuesday. And he had orchestrated a meeting uh, with me through the Chicano Latino department, um, through Dr. Luis Macias, who is an amazing mentor, um, for a news like segment that was done on me about being a returning student mother of seven. Um, and he just wanted to meet me and get to know me and He's so awesome, student-driven, you know, first immigrant president at the university. Um, he's got a lot of amazing projects coming up uh, that he shared with me, and I'm looking forward to to seeing the um, that go through. But, you know, I had some issues because I'm a mom of an infant, and so I, I'm breastfeeding, so I have to use their lactation rooms. I was talking to him about it, and he was emailing people on the spot. I love that. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's I had awesome. Questions. It was so, it, man, talk about like action driven, like right on the spot. I left the meeting already because he CC'd me on those emails with already contacts on who to follow up with that. Um, I had questions on, on the, you know, their bilingual program and masters and just kind of trying to find out what my options were on the spot, emailing people I mean, it was just like, wow, like I felt heard, you know, and I told them I'm not just representing me or my background. I'm representing different types of students, you know, Latinx students, re- mothers, returning students. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And you know what he said? It's part of the segment. Man, those people that interview me are masters of their craft. Shout out to Nick Garcia um, from ABC News. He was able to talk about my grandma and you talk tears always flow when you talk about my grandma and he said what would your grandma say and I would say you know you can do it because you're my granddaughter you know obviously in Spanish tú lo puedes hacer porque eres mi nieta and the president said that that touched him so much because that reminded him of his great aunt and it goes to show that I'm gonna get my bachelor's at the end of this semester but that that exposure that that memory that you know is so strong in him that's a pillar in who he is we could relate based on that 
And I found that to be just amazing. I, I had no idea. Like you said, you share things, right? And you feel like you overshare. But he was able to connect to me just because of that moment. And that's why it's so important that you keep sharing and that you keep having these podcasts. Because look at that. We inspired hot, like presidents of universities. Yeah. That's and so I'm, awesome. I'm going to drop the link in the, in the, in the podcast notes. So that people can see the the article or like the, the segment you're referring to, because I watched it too. And that it was so powerful and it was so moving. And you know what I, I feel like I pick up on is that it's those, it's those personal moments that really resonate. And even the start of the, of that segment was talking about faculty and like the representation, right. That the faculty need to resemble what the yes. student reputation is. And then even more so I would push back and say like the administration too, right? Like top to bottom, we have yes. to resemble our student population because had the president of your institution not ha not had that emotional connection, you know, might it have been somebody different, right? Might it, it might it have not been a person of color, right? Who who had no who just didn't have that memory um or who was not bilingual, you know, or didn't come from something a similar background as you. That they wouldn't have mattered enough to then call you in for a meeting because when you we talked you said um you know I'm really nervous I you, you kind of wasn't sure what, what to talk to him you know I said look how many minutes do you have okay let's and I'm always thinking like let's be realistic pick three things you want to hit three things that you want to talk to him about that are really important to you maybe four if you have time but focus on the on top three and you did it you got yes. the lactation rooms you we talked about um the the bilingual studies right yes and then about being a mother it's it's so beautiful I'm just so proud that you were able to take that moment and take that meeting and advocate um and that's what we talk about when that's like in action when we say like lift as you climb right like mm -hmm. and and the and other also, one was the HSI center oh that's right the HSI yeah. center and y'all yeah. are I'm telling y'all I'm so y'all are in California y'all are, are doing amazing work and I'm I'm so glad about the advocacy advocacy that the students are are getting over there because it's it's so needed and I wish we had I wish we had that here in Texas, but that's okay. We're we're gonna see we're gonna keep pushing for it and keep pushing um yeah. because that self advocacy is something that I talk about with my students currently here in the state of Texas because I feel here we have this culture of not advocating for ourselves. Because if we push against the status quo, it means that we're disrupting and that we don't we don't like it, right? And um, last week and in, in, in us in office hours, I remember telling the students like, look, I remember during the summer of 2020 when it things were very heated in the nation. Um, you can critique the nation and still love it and still yeah. be loyal to it. Mm -hmm. You can. It, that's they're not saying that you have disloyalty to it just because you critique it. So similar to the institutions in our college campuses, we can love our college campuses, we but we can still critique it. We can still find ways to make it better for us. Um, it's not working in, in all the all the ways that it can be. Exactly. So I just love that you you went up in there and that you self advocated and that things are already changing because you you brought it to their attention. Like that's so beautiful because. Honestly, somebody could have walked up into that meeting and it could have just been all about them, right? It could just been like, thank you, you know, for highlighting, for wanting to meet me. Thank you for, you know, just that. And right. you didn't have to go in there with, with, <laughs> with points that you wanted to kind of, you know, bring to his attention. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I'm so no. proud of you for doing it. Thank you. No, man, I was blessed. You called me, like I said, in five minutes, I reached out to two other staff members too. And they text me like right away and um, I was able to meet with another professor. Uh, the one who texted me was Dr. Lopez. She's awesome. And um, Dr. Macias had a meeting and like you all are just such amazing examples of why we need Latinx educators in higher ed because you guys have all, I had another meeting actually with the Dean of Social Sciences She's awesome. And I walked out of that meeting promising that I will never say that I'm lucky about anything. She said, you're not lucky. You've done the work, an example of what hard work can get you. And so from now on, I will never say I'm lucky to know these people. I'm blessed. 
<laughs> yes. But to do the work to contact you guys and you guys did the work to get back to me, man, it, it's it's so amazing to to I think it's it's our, come back to our culture. Yeah. You know? Like you said, you talk a lot about reaching back. Just to see that in person is just it's amazing. You're all just amazing um, faculty that I wish there were more of so that more students could feel how I feel. Yeah. Like this morning we were talking about my, um, for those who don't follow me, I think y'all, most, most of the people do follow me on IG, but every Saturday I host like a writing session for my doctoral students. And you said, Oh, how many people are in your class? I'm like, Oh, it's not a class. Like, it's not a class. Like this is, I'm volunteering. Like I, I host these Saturday writing meetings like voluntarily but I do it because I know again like you said like we're the first generation like I knew what support I needed when I was going through the dissertating phase and so I'm I'm being very intentional with providing that support to my students because I want them to I need them to finish like I need all of my all of my students to finish and so if that means waking up a little early on Saturday taking a few hours out of my Saturday to do it then that's what we do See, um, I think that comes from you being a mom because you take on these kids like they're your children and they're you want their academic success success but you're providing that positive and supportive environment and so that's why you're doing it because you're just an amazing mom well you thank know? you and it's true though you know and, yeah and and you you guys not meet them volunteering your time that's amazing. I appreciate that. And they will I, succeed because of you. Yeah. And because then they're, they're doing the work. Remember, I remember telling you, they a few of them were a little late. So I'm like, you get to stay an hour late. It's like like gym class. <laughs> I like, love you, that tough love. I love yeah, it. You, you get to run a few extra laps around the gym because you were late. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're holding them accountable, though. I, yeah, That's you awesome. have to. You have to. But I'm like, but I will see you through this. Like, I... I'm here to like give you one-on-one -on -one help, but what we all have to, you know, do put in the time for it. I love it. Tough love. Um, so I have a question for you. What does yes. the game is to be told, not sold mean to you? Um, to me, it's like, you, you know, the game, the game academically is just getting um, into higher levels of education. And those pathways are sometimes, just extra complicated and almost kept secret um, and sometimes they're like barricaded against certain minorities and so when you talk about the game is to be told is to be shared not to where people have to like sell themselves to get gain access to that pathway you know people regardless of their background should be able to access certain positions if they've proven that they can earn them and but sometimes um, that that ladder of communication of reaching back is not accessible and so when you're in a higher level position when you share that that game um, with other people instead of like selling yourself or make them sell themselves that that's powerful right there that's like you coming in on a Saturday that's giving um not just for yourself, but like for future generations that it's vital. It's vital for the system to work and create like equity in the future. Definitely. Definitely. It's like not gatekeeping it, the information, right? Yes. Um, That's for, I said barricade, but gatekeeping is what I meant. Yeah. No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. I just, when you said it, I, I reminded me of gatekeeping. I think for someone who's listening, who is a mom, let's talk to the moms out there. Okay who um may be feeling the pressure right the societal pressure to to not go back to school or mm -hmm. to not go to work um and I, I think your story is so beautiful that you found an opportunity during the pandemic and to take advantage of online learning yes. because I think a lot of the narrative is that and they like, like let's it was you know a time where there was so much unknown and not a lot of people took advantage of online learning like there were some struggles in that but as a mother you found this as an opportunity so let's talk to the moms out there like what what would you say to them maybe to someone who's been wanting to start taking a class um what would you tell them I would tell them to 
you know, look into what careers they're interested in. Um, go through community colleges. Those are more powerful than you think. And they offer more options um, that might fit your schedule better. You know, mm-hmm. the reality is being a mom, you need to prioritize the needs of your kids because they're only your kids for so long, you know? Um, but there's going to be sacrifices. It's going to come to time. A lot of the time, you know, sometimes I've showed up at water polo games and I would be in class via Zoom uh, on my phone, you know, or I would print out the readings and read them at my son's water polo game. Those are things that you have to do and and plan on and adapt to and 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 realize sometimes, you know, I'm doing readings at two o'clock in the morning, you know, whatever it takes. Um, sometimes I only study for 30 minutes at a time when I'm sitting in the car with the baby strapped in their car seat, waiting for the other ones to get out of school. Like, that's it. That's, that's the time I have, but it's every minute counts, mm-hmm. every minute counts and you can do it. Re- reach out to student support services, go to the writing center, like whatever it takes. Your support group is vital, you know, but whoever that may be, whether it's family or friends or your partner, um, be grateful for them. And, and also be mindful that the, in some institutions, there's amazing faculty like you that is also support. Um, again, you're going to have to make sacrifices and it's, it's not easy, but it's worth it. The biggest thing I want moms to realize is that you have to know your boundaries. There's no point in like totally destroying yourself and your self-worth because you're trying to get there you can take a semester off. I had to take a semester off last semester because I had a four-month-old. I didn't want to give birth on campus, but that was hard being so hungry for education and wanting to graduate to understand that I have to set boundaries and that means taking the semester off. That's okay. It's okay to take a semester off as long as you're done. I would just say, don't wait 26 years like I did. Um, but if you have to take a semester off because you need to focus on your kids, do it. You will feel better. And when you come back to school, you'll have a better mindset. That's beautiful. I think. And then I would also even add, like, do it while they're young. My, I remember when, um, Melania was born and my, I remember, and I was admitted into the master's program. I was like, well, I can't accept it. My mom's like, are you kidding? Of course you're accepting it. Um, you're going to do it while she's younger. And I, I, and then the same thing with the doc program, I'm like, I'm going to wait until Melania's older. And she's like, nope, do it now. Because when they're older, they have different needs and they need you around in a different way. They need your attention more in a different way than when they're younger. Um, And I think now that she's older, I kind of understand that. But I think at the time I'm like, no, I need to, I need to be there for all the first. Um, I remember I have had a friend who has a daughter and he missed he missed one of his daughters first. And I said, you know, there's going to be so many more. Mm-hmm. I The one that I missed was Melania's eating solids for the first time. And I think at the time I was like, oh, I missed it. And then now I'm like, she eats solid food like every day. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's not a big deal. Like it, you'll get over it. It's fine. But, you know, in the moment you feel like, oh, I missed everything. Um, you know, even I'll be honest, I had to get over this really quickly the you know the holidays it was Halloween and you know how like you have all the all the pictures of the perfect pumpkin pack pictures yes okay well I remember one semester I was just overwhelmed we never got to the pumpkin patch and I'm just like am I the worst mother because I don't have pictures with Melania at the pumpkin patch but you know it don't even matter because she don't remember it (laughs) not to say that I but you know I'm just saying like there's it's like you said, there's sacrifices. Like there's some times where you're not going to, there's not, oh, there's only 24 hours in a day and you just yes. may not make it to the pumpkin patch and that's okay. That's completely fine. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Those sacrifices are, are gonna be, but look at why you're doing it though. You know, you know, you're doing it to set the example for her. And, yeah. and sometimes you have to, you have to get over that mommy guilt, which is, again, those are terms and language I didn't like have names for that. Now that I have a term for that, I can challenge. And so I really love to what you said about really the sacrifice and taking advantage of your time, um, printing out the readings and taking them with you, yep. zooming in from where you need to. Like, I don't 
I think that's we when we got on the call, we talked about the mom hustle. Yes. <laughs> I, because I told you, and I, I don't I don't think I've said this on the podcast before, but like yeah, I've said this offline to a lot of people who need to know because there are some folks that are like, what are you doing? You're doing way too much with a podcast. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I gotta connect my podcast to my work. Okay. One, it this is a great outlet, right? And it, I think it's great that a lot of people, you know, are listening in and gathering inspiration or or what they need from it. But this is absolutely connected to my work because I'm connecting it to my tenure. And then I explained, you know, I, I mentioned that to you and you're like, wow, that's the mom hustle. I'm like, absolutely. Yes. We don't have time to to do things that are not connected to like our goals. Yes. You have to multitask. And you, like you said, you have to make that connection and make things that like have multiple value yes. because you don't have the time to have that individual value. So right. yes, that's the mom hustle. Absolutely. I agree. And then one thing I will take away is I remember Dr. V would always ask me like, what's the one thing you're doing for yourself this weekend? And that I always have to ask like myself, like I, if it's not every weekend, but maybe every other weekend, okay, like what am I doing for myself? Because I mean, there I'll be like I'll be honest through my entire doctoral program, like I I myself was last. Like it was I was giving so much to my dissertation and to Melania and that was probably it. Like I was at capacity. Like I had friendships that fought, fell out during my dissertation, which I don't even think we talk about a lot. Maybe that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> but <laughs> there are definitely, you know, not everything is going to last, right? Like things are going to change. People are going to come in and out of your life and um because we can only manage so much. Yes. But but yeah, I think I always go back to that question like what am I doing for myself today? And if it's something simple as like going to my favorite, you know, protein shop or, you know, getting, you know, going out of my way to grab, a, you know, a good lunch. That's what I'm doing for myself. And you know what, that that's something I, I forgot to say that moms definitely need that. And that's something that this this year um, I'm doing big and and it's like getting my nails done. Yes. It's like doing a podcast by myself, you know, in the car with an amazing mentor. Um, those things feed your soul and you got to feed yourself to take care of others and as moms we forget that until like you said you're at capacity and you can't do anymore and you know that's that's not gonna help anything <laughs> I love that um for maybe those administrators and faculty and staff that are listening how can they support mommy scholars oh that's amazing um amazing question and it's it's so necessary and critical for many families um, that, you know, Title IX is out there, but you got to enforce it. Um, there's a lot of things in Title IX that get a lot of, um, like, media attention, you know. And I feel like even though it's been there well over 20-something years, um, there for isn't the, much. There, for like, those who don't know, what's Title IX? <laughs> so Title IX just kind of ensures that students based on um, race and gender get equal services in like institutions mm -hmm. um that's like the bare basics of what it is there's a lot of things like athletics um but just so that they're able to access a higher education um and so for lactation rooms have been put in um that's great just to ensure that there's access to them um ensure that child care services are available that's a huge thing for parents um mothers um like for me I actually went through pregnancies while I was a student so having access to certain classes is a big deal um and then being aware of needs um like there's a food pantry at Fresno State that has diapers and formula they also have a boutique and one of the things we talked about was advertising those services um, because if the students aren't using them, then they're not servicing. They're not a service. Um, so um, if other institutions have those things, making sure that, you know, every, I feel like every month or every two weeks, I get an email about sports and athletics and a football game, which is great. 20 years ago, I would have gone, but now I have kids. Mm -hmm. Can I at least once or twice a semester get an email that talks about student parent services? You know, it doesn't have to be in detail, maybe just a little thing at the bottom 
um, because because that's at least 26% of most institutions, student parents, you know, and after the pandemic, I'm sure when proper data gets mm-hmm. collected, because that's also an issue mm-hmm. of student parents, um, if they were to collect proper data, and maybe even survey them, um, they would get more ideas on the other services that students need. Um, how about like a child-friendly study area? That would be awesome. There's just a lot of little things that can like, be done. Absolutely, the visibility. And I, I always go back to, I wanna say it was, Fres- uh, not Fresno, my bad, um, Pasadena Community College. And I think this was, this was pre-pandemic, maybe like the semester before, like fall 2019. But they had drop in child care, basically like drop in child care because, you know, like during finals week, you know, finals week hours are different than your regular, um, your regular weekly, like your regular weekly classes. Mm-hmm. So finals week always kind of throws everybody off because the hours are diff- of class that you meet are different. And so for parents, that really is huge if they're used to a certain time for child care. And then all of a sudden now their week is thrown off and they can't make their finals. Well, this was the first time and I haven't seen it since, but this was the first community college I've seen where they had like these walk-in childcare off hours. And I just thought that was brilliant and very, very much needed, like on a grand scale statewide and nationally, right? Like how can we support student parents if we want them to come to our campuses, but we don't have the services available for them? And then back oh, to the, yeah, the visibility. I always think like if it's two, if it's two to three clicks away from the website, it's too far away. Yes, like it has to be. It has to be like just in our face and constant. Like I like your connection to the football, your to the football emails too, because that's that a publication and communication and what institutions promote a lot tell a lot about what their priorities are and so if you're getting weekly emails about the football team you know that tells you that's a high priority which is yeah that's great but what about everybody else like okay yes go football and how do we support other student populations um i think that's that's a, a current issue i have here is that we're starting in our institution we're starting a new football team and they just announced like the hiring of the football coach and at the at the announcement, it was a beautiful, huge, like, you know, press event. And they had Marachi there. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I've been to four commencements and we we're an HSI. And I like to say we're a true HSI where we have like 98% Latin population and we don't have Marachi at our at our commencements. Like, why not? Why right. are we not embracing our HSI-ness where we don't have Marachi at commencement, but you have it for um an hour announcement of the new football coach who's not even of the community I'll that's just say interesting to note mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that stood out yes <laughs> um, so I'm like okay priorities but again it goes back to the visibility of it right like okay yes. what's um where where does the money go where you know all of all of that is important and communicates um communicates that importance that the administration and the institutions have well it's just that campus climate you know it has to be inviting and welcoming to all students and you know sometimes it just takes um the advocacy to be active and say something you know yeah but you can as administrators i think you can only go on um lack of data or ignorance for so much because it's your job to be aware of your student body and advocate for all of them. And I know that that's easier said than done. That's why I'm not in your position. So if okay. you are in your position, then, you know, that that's your job. And that's, that's what you strive for is a healthy campus climate. Yes, yes. With the mic drop, yes. <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. <laughs> okay, tell me about, um, from your positionality, what does the scholar homie mean to you? Wow. So I had to like, I really thought about that, my positionality. So I come, like I said, first gen Latina raised by a single mom and Spanish speaking only grandma. Um, I have like a life experience, you know, and um, I also have an educational journey that started, stopped and is starting again. 
So my positionality has changed like a roller coaster ride. So, um, but it all influences who I am today. And so when I think about my positionality now, it's taking um, what, like on the surface, if you tell people what Scholar Homies, you know, what do you think Scholar Homies is? The, ter- the two words put together are like an oxymoron, you know, like scholar has one way um, or people envision the scholar one way and then positively and then homies like negatively, you mm-hmm. know, and but you've taken those two words and you paired them together and they're powerful because it means that the people um, in this community that's grown out of need um, represent um, people that are educated, you know, through books, um, the traditional way, but they also possess education from life, whether it's streetwise or the struggles they've been through that they don't teach you in a book, but that's where we get our hustle from. And that's, that's why we, we become successful. Again, these are skills that were, came out of need, but now they're skills that we use and, and we, we like grow the community. You know, I'm definitely new to the scholar homie area, <laughs> um, but man, I, it's nothing but love. And I feel it. I feel it, you know, through through you, through um, Semillas, all of the staff, through my Latinx professors, you, you guys are all scholar homies. And I, and I never really understood what it was. It's not something that you can just take a picture of. It's something you feel through action. Um, and that's why it's so powerful, because it requires action. I love that that definition that you gave. That's so beautiful. Um, thank you so much for that. <laughs> You're welcome. So I wanted to get into the this or that portion of the podcast. And you're in Fresno. So I'm trying to set the context. And like, and this always starts because, you know, like I miss California. <laughs> but so I'm thinking, okay, the beach or the mountains? California the, beach. So it's funny. Um, I don't like California beaches because they're dirty. That's the true. Water, That's true. And even the people, they don't take care of it. So I would say California beaches that have low foot traffic over the mountains because me and bugs don't get along. That's how okay. Nice, nice. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Ganesada burrito or canasada fries? Ganesada burrito. Yeah. Nice. I just that that mixture of carne asada fries is just that's too much grease for me. Okay, um, I'm getting older and my GI is not happy. <laughs> doesn't it doesn't certain things don't sit well? I get it, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, banda or reggaeton? See, um, I, I actually earlier before we started recording, I told you it would be interesting uh-huh. to see if you would figure out what kind of music um I would like. And um, I am definitely not a banda person. Um, reggaeton, I, I listened to growing up. Um, it has a good vibe, but I'm actually, um, yeah, neither. Um, okay. Rock en Español or um, even like a little hip hop, R&B. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So then my next one is Aerosmith or Red Hot Chili Peppers. Aerosmith, Aerosmith. I was definitely in high school. I was into my little punk rock phase. And um, had I been able to go to the 25 year anniversary of Woodstock, I would have been there. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Okay. Hip hop or 90s R&B? 90s R&B. Definitely comes up on the radio and I'm jamming and my kids are like, Mom, how do you know all those words? (laughs) I love it. Okay. One last one for the culture. Selena or Jenny Rivera? Selena. Selena all the way, 110%. Um, Whenever we're at like a function and the DJ starts playing Selena and I've had a a few uh, of those liquid courage drinks, Uh you will hear me belt out Beady Beady Bomb Bomb and I hope they're at the same level because I know I'm off key, but I'm singing it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And the washing machine and everything. (laughs) There you go. That's beautiful. (laughs) Any last words for those listening? Yeah, I I think that it's vital. I know that it's vital that um, people in academia and whatever position they are in, whether they're students, faculty, or administrators, they really 
need to hear um, the content that you're sharing on this platform. It, it, it's vital. It's vital for, for the community, um, whether they're H HSIs or not, um, because the, the world is diverse and you need to be, each podcast has a different theme. Um, the fact that you're sharing points of views and experiences from different people, um, it's just important for there to be a productive society that's equitable and, and function, you know, nowadays, it's not, you know, 1920s, you have to be aware of your student body, of the needs of your faculty, of their experiences, and how important it is um, for the, the people, not just, not just what numbers or monies, you know, it's going to bring a prestige to the college. It's just being um, aware. And, and so yeah, I think that that's what's important. Thank you for that. Because honestly, it wasn't until you called me too. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? This is just mm -hmm. me sharing, um, you know, our, our stories. But you're right. Like, we're definitely on to something. And I thank you for accepting the invitation to be here today. And uh, I'm so inspired by you. I, I can't wait to see. I'm, I'm cheering you on the entire way. You already know if I need whatever you need, I got you. <laughs> However, mm -hmm. I can be of support to you. Um, I'm just so happy that you've are continuing on you know this journey and I that I just I feel privileged that I just be a part of it and so I'm so glad that we met now two years ago and that I can um I can be there for you however you need me thank you thank you so much you have been you have been in in action and words and and it's it's just a blessing to know you and I can't wait to hear future podcasts and you better believe you'll be invited to all the fiestas and the yes. you know, taconazo, taco, hello, <laughs> the tacos and, and all that amazing um, good food to share because that's what we do in our culture. We that's, have, we dance, we eat, we celebrate. <laughs> that we do, that we do. All right, well, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you.